0: Hello out there ladies, it's Rochelle with another episode of Unabashed You, where we as women get to talk about stuff. Unabashed You is women talking about stuff. It's a place where we can be uniquely ourselves without apology. We want to be wise, to know our worth, and to enjoy whimsy. Boy, does Karen have some colorful stories. During the get-to-know-you part of our conversation, she shared funny, one-of-a-kind times. I know her, and I had no idea some of the things she has experienced. It was joyous learning these new things. And you'll notice, despite some of our serious conversations, Karen is filled with joy and laughter. She has endured well. Oh, and you'll hear a whirring sound that I was unable to edit out. It sounds like someone is occasionally going through the room with a vacuum. Remember, I'm still working on my sound engineering license. Like most of us, Karen has had many chapters to her life. Most have been filled with happiness and joy, but there have been a few, unusually so, filled with more loss than the average woman experiences. We will be talking about it today, how Karen has gotten through and how she has found purpose in the pain. We are further joined not only by friendship, but by mutual loss. We both have boys in heaven who died from the very same heart defects several years apart. She and her husband were there for my family in ways impossible to measure. And so we are bonded for life and beyond. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you.
1: <laughs> it's wonderful to be here. I really, really am looking forward to it. And um, thank you.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. We're going to get to know you a little bit. I mean, I know you, but our listeners don't know you. Three words you would use to describe yourself. Ah, I've kind of thought about this because
1: I've heard your other little podcasts. And that's kind of hard, just three words. It's kind of difficult. But I would say faithful,
0: um, thoughtful, Mm -hmm.
1: and compassionate.
0: Yes. And I, I had a funny feeling faithful would be first. So, you know, and, and yes, it is hard to to come up with yourself in three words. But I mean, it's meant to just be a little bit of an icebreaker and a way to get to know you a little bit and, and how you see yourself. And, and then how others that know you see you as well. I mean, it's, you know, uh, faithful, yes, compassionate, yes, thoughtful, yes. I mean, yes, yes, fully, fully agreed. And of course, like with anybody, there would be so many more, but those are the ones that we're going with for the three that you chose. Beautiful. And there's something telling in the selection. I, li- I like this exercise. <laughs> all righty. A favorite TV couple of all time.
1: Oh. Oh. oh, goodness. I hadn't really thought about this one.
0: <laughs> That's fine because you know what? I don't ask the same questions every time. There are a couple that kind of get reused often, but it's just kind of fun. Like you could think back to, you know, your kid years. Was there a, 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 club, a couple that you really liked and looked up to, or maybe a more recent times a show that you like? Oh, yeah, I just, I like, I like them. Ah uh, see, I'm not a big
1: huge TV person. So
0: Okay, then let's uh, go fictional. Fictional then then that could be movies, theater, TV, books. And then then we've really opened it up.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um I'm just trying to think of some of my
1: favorites. <laughs>
0: oh uh, let's see like do you go for more of a tragic story like the way we were barbara streisand and robert redford well or- that was
1: the first one that popped in my head because <laughs> oh <my
0: gosh. laughs> i love robert redford <laughs> and i love barbara streisand yes so. and it did not end well
1: it didn't end well. That's why I was thinking. Oh, that's probably not great to pick. No, but
0: and, and that, but there was a love there, and yes. you know, in that last scene when she grabs you know his face oh, and calls yes. him Hubble, and oh, I've uh, got goosebumps uh, just talking uh, about it. Oh my gosh! No, that's a classic. That's a classic. Now I kind of fed that one to you. Do you want to stick with that one, or do you want to do you want to come up with a different one?
1: Well, I. I I love, love, love that one. But I was also thinking of The Sound of Music because that is like one of my all-time favorite movies and that is such an amazing love story too.
0: Yes, and the way that she was, you know, talk about being unabashed, she was just herself and she was not going to apologize for being herself. You know, she was not brazen, but just full of life and vitality and you know, thought his whistleblowing ways were a little eccentric, a little too much. And, and somehow she was able to soften him and bring forth a better or best version of himself. And I think really good love stories do that. And hopefully in r- real life, uh, our marriages do that, at w- do that as well, you know, help us to be uh the best version of ourselves by by their encouragement by their acceptance and all of that so yes that that's a good one because he does start out very rough and tough and rigid and through time and her you know sort of gentle persistence she's able to without really with, with zero manipulation just being who she is she's able to soften him and kind of turn him through that love. That's a good one, Karen. Look at you. You got two right out of the park. One that doesn't end well and one that doesn't end well. So there you go. Very good. Okay, this might be a little tricky. I don't know. Celebrity crush. Now, this could be from when you were a kid or it could be current or anywhere along the way.
1: Well, it's got to be Robert Redford. Okay. <laughs> okay. Probably not now. He's looking a little older. Well, these days. That
0: happens. But it happens. Oh, we do age. Not, I look older too. So. I think he's he's standing the test of time. I I I think that's a great one. Do you, do you, did you want to again? Did you want to stick with Robert or I'm Bob? Stick with Robert as they go. With, as apparently he's known by Bob to his friends. Okay. I love that. All right. Here's another tricky one. Okay. Okay. A movie that helped form you in some way, either for like the good or maybe the not so good, a movie that just had some kind of an impact. Maybe like you talked about Santa music from when you, Mm -hmm. when you, when we were kids, I mean, that had a kind of impact. Is there another movie that comes to mind that you think, oh, my gosh, yeah, that, that actually did have some impact on me?
1: Hmm. Um, let's see. I mean, there's so, there's many now, but then I'm going back to childhood as far as growth and being a kid. this may sound weird, but I think The Wizard of Oz. (laughs)
0: That's great. (laughs) That's wonderful. Our last episode was completely about The Wizard of Oz. So this is perfect. The Wizard of Oz. Okay, so for those listeners who are on the younger side, you don't really quite understand that it was an event when The Wizard of Oz was being aired. And I don't remember what time of year Mm -hmm. it was aired, but it was aired once a year. Yeah. One time once a year. And it was a very big deal. A very big deal. Yeah. Yeah. To, you know, like everything stops because it's on tonight. And if you miss it, you've got to wait a whole year. Yeah. What yeah. what do you think about that movie spoke to you? Ah, well, I just another one popped into my head. <laughs> so now I'm
1: like thinking of okay. two movies, but the other one that we're talking about, you have to wait for the show to air was The Ten Commandments. Ah,
0: and that was always
1: at Easter, but still that was a, you know, epic yes, movie, it was yes, so long.
0: Another one you that you had to wait for. Um,
1: you had to wait and that was usually, you know, around Easter time that that would. Right. Be. But um But I think the for the Wizard of Oz, I just I love I love musicals anyway, and just the music was fun, and it was you know just the kind of the good versus evil and um, how to be and how not to be, and Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, and,
0: and good being victorious, even though you know they feared for their lives and they had to escape and all these things. Excellent. And,
1: and and having this bond of friendship too that you you know rely on everyone else to you know kind of you all were in this together trying to get through this okay. and
0: um yeah that's a good one that and that's a classic i have the record from when i was a kid oh. actually i both those wizard of oz and the sound of music Wow. Still have them. Can't get rid of them. Never play them, but I mean, they're there. I know they're there. That's the important thing. They're there. We're going to move into two truths and a lie. So you're going to say three things about yourself. One of them is not going to be true, and I have to guess the one that's not true. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be very simple. Okay.
1: I worked on a soap opera in New York. <laughs> I had dinner with Tom Hanks and his family in Italy. Oh, and I'm jealous
0: of all these. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're also not me. <laughs> and um, Bill Cosby asked me for my phone number in San Francisco. And wait, I've got one more. Can I throw another one in sure, just to mess with you? Sure, why not? <laughs> um, there was a time that I had a police escort and bodyguard.
0: Phew-wee. Okay, so, okay, now I've got four I need to remember. The first one is you were on a soap opera or on the set of a soap opera in New York?
1: I worked for a
0: soap opera. Oh, you worked for a soap opera in New York. The second one was you had dinner with Tom Hanks and his family in Italy. The third one was uh, Bill Cosby asked for your phone number. The fourth one was you needed a police escort at one time in some situation. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Okay. Gosh, I've never heard you talk about the Tom Hanks one, but you know what? I know you've been to Italy, so I can kind of see that happening. Okay, so I'm going to set that one aside. Bill Cosby, ask me your phone number. I I could see that happening. Yeah. And needing a police escort, I could see that happening. So I'm going to go with working on a soap opera in New York as the lie. Nope. Oh, my gosh. That's unbelievable. Okay, you've got to tell us about these. Okay, when was that? <laughs> so that was in the early 80s. I spent a
1: suburb in New York visiting my sister that lived in Manhattan, and she had a friend that worked for the soap opera Search for Tomorrow, which is no longer on the show on anymore. <laughs> But for the summer, I had an internship on Search for Tomorrow. Oh
0: so my god! It was
1: super fun. I mean, we had to you know run lines, and I was basically a gopher too. It's like whatever the actors or anyone wanted, I just ran around it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's so funny. Stuff. I mean, that what a great experience. I was trying to think. I don't remember a time when Karen lived in New York, and that's what that's what really threw me was <laughs> when did she live in New York? But this makes sense. A summer internship. Okay, so the second one. Tom Hanks, uh, dinner in Italy. Is that true? Sort of.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that's my lie. So we we were in Italy in Positano and we were with a group of people at this amazing restaurant and in walked Tom Hanks and his whole family, they had gotten off a yacht or whatever and walked up the stairs and, um, came into the restaurant and they sat on the table next to us. Uh, so,
0: <laughs> how fun is that? So it's kind of true, but kind of not. <laughs> yes. yes. Was it impossible to, to not just want to talk to him? Or I mean, you don't want to stare? Obviously, that's completely obnoxious. But I mean, how do you not just keep glancing? I mean, was it? Was it? Did it take a lot of self discipline to? to <laughs>
1: Well, my dear husband, Rick, he desperately wanted to go up to him and just say, you know, I love your, your work and your movies. Cause we are Tom Hanks fans. Yes. And, Who um, Who and so we were with, we were with all of you know, my sister-in-law and all of her Italian friends. And so we were, Rick and I were the only like Americans, tourists, everyone else were, you know, they were from Positano they're you know, from Italy there. And, um, so they all were saying, no, you can't go. Don't interrupt. And then some other woman with her daughter did go up to him. And he basically said, you know, I'm with my family. You know, I'm not, you know. So he kind of shied them away. So oh. I told him, I like, don't, don't do it. So.
0: Okay. So it's really a good thing you didn't do it then because you would have been shooed away. Yeah. And, and you know, I do understand uh, I do understand on some level that there are times when they want their privacy. I I I could really argue it either way, but then really we're the ones that kind of make them famous because we're the ones going to their movies and whatever. Yeah, it's a tricky right. thing. It's a very yep. tricky thing. Yeah. And
1: he sat himself so he was facing out to the to the water. So You know, anyone coming in the restaurant wouldn't see him. They would just see the back. But I did flip my camera around and took a little, you know,
0: picture. (laughs) (laughs) So I had the picture of the back of his head. But But, but it's the back of his head. You can tell. You can tell it's the back of his head. Okay, so that brings us to Bill Cosby asking you for your phone number.
1: This is another goofy story. So when I was in high school, a few of us, we, we... would go to this great little restaurant called Enrico's um, on Columbus Avenue. It's kind of not the greatest area, but they had wonderful lasagna. And there was this one night we were all there and um, my boyfriend at the time, he said, Oh my gosh, Bill Cosby is like behind the bar. And he's like, let's just go up there. I'm like, what? So we go up there and just barely, you know, started talking to him. No, I mean, no one else really recognized him or knew that, you know, paid attention or, you know, realized who he was yet. And he, all of a sudden there was sirens and all this, you know, commotion going on. And I was right at the end of the bar and he said, Oh my gosh, Enrico, who was his friend who owned the restaurant is out there directing traffic. So he grabbed me, grabbed my, you know, my wrist. He's like, we got to go see what's going on. And so we went out to the street and he quickly turned around and I literally you just smashed right into his chest <laughs> and there was a fire on, you know, on Columbus Avenue and Enrico was directing traffic and all this hubbub going on. And so we've just chit chatted a little bit and he said, Hey, you know, I'm playing, you know, I have, I'm doing a show. And I think it was at the Concord Pavilion. This was up in Northern California, obviously. And um, he said, give your number to the waiter and I'll make sure that you get, you know, tickets. Aww and so then everyone dispersed and went to the tables and so I told the waiter I said give this number to Bill Cosby he asked me to give it to you and and I'm sure the waiter was just like yeah right <laughs> so I'm not gonna do that so I never heard anything
0: oh <laughs> no so you didn't get to go see him we didn't get
1: oh. to go see him oh, no of course but he was very was nice him. I know he's you know, he's
0: got a bad rap now. But. Yes, his story has a very sad, very sad ending. But I mean, again, because of our age group, we grew up with him as uh, the the comedian. And yeah. funny and he had records and that was very yes. unusual for a comedian to have records and
1: Yeah, he had the cartoon,
0: he had the fat Albert yes. thing. Yes. And yes. Uh,
1: yeah, yes. Hey, fat yeah, Fat Albert. Was that
0: was that? Yeah, him? Fat Albert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just, the Bill
1: Cosby show and then the Huck Huff, yeah. Huxtables oh, and know. all that
0: stuff. But
1: um just... Yeah, and my dad loved the Bill Cosby show. Yeah. So he thought that was really cool. But you know.
0: Yeah, just, just so, you know, it's hard to know where that went wrong, but it, it went very wrong. And
1: where, yeah, very like, sad.
0: Yeah, but, but then I'm thankful because I could have been in a bad situation. Yes, yes. You know, I mean,
1: uh, I know I was, you know, being protected for sure. Right. So,
0: And then your fourth one, when did you need a bodyguard and a police officer? Oh, escort? this is a weird story too. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: Sorry, we're going to take them all a long time telling my goofy stories. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right, Patty Hearst and the SLA. Oh. SLA? Yeah. So I think I may have shared this story with you before, but my, my dad was, um, he worked for the uh, school district in Oakland at the time, and Marcus Foster was the superintendent of schools, and... Um, there was a board meeting one night my dad who was the you know deputy of research or whatever he's like the number three guy in the in the district and then so it was marcus foster and um bob blackburn and and i know we're not supposed to be saying names but i don't think this matters <laughs> but, and my dad they were at a board meeting and the two went out to the parking lot after the meeting was over and my dad stayed back to he had to run to the restroom. While while Bob and Marcus went out to the parking lot, a car drove by with just peppered them with bullets. And one was a cyanide bullet that hit Marcus. And Bob was shot 13 times and lived. Marcus was killed instantly. Oh. And that was the first showing of the SLA. That was the first thing that oh. they did. I mean, they did lots of bad stuff, but that was the first really, really, newsworthy thing that they did and um, I remember you know being at home and my mom got phone call saying dad was going to be late and we didn't really know why and then he you know drove home and he was followed and he still didn't know to this day I mean that's another crazy story but um, he was followed all the way home and so for those next couple weeks we didn't know what the capabilities of this crazy SLA group was. And then Patty Hearst was kidnapped and then all the news went to Patty Hearst and, and the whole Marcus thing kind of dissipated. But um, oh my gosh. He didn't, we had to have a bodyguard and police escort to and from school for like two weeks. Wow. And went That's to their you. went to the memorial service for Marcus and could, with my parents because they didn't know you know they didn't want anyone to know that we were the kids and because and, my dad had to step into Marcus's role so then he was the right. you know superintendent acting superintendent for for quite a while oh so gosh.
0: yeah wow that is really something I'm, yeah. I'm wow those stories are just so varied and all over the place it's <laughs> just amazing and I didn't know any of those things about you and I don't even know how that's possible but somehow it is Oh my goodness. All right. As women, I know we struggle with worth starting from mm-hmm. a very young age. How do you counteract some of that? Some of those messages we get?
1: Well, I I struggled for a long time with worth. I think maybe just being the youngest of two older siblings, you know. I was always little Karen. My brother and sister were five and seven years older, so I was little Karen. I always felt like I what what could I contribute I have nothing important to say so you know why would anyone you know listen to me so so I did I had struggled with kind of worth and am I worthy and who am I and all this stuff growing up but then you know as we get older and my faith you know grew and I realized who I am in God's eyes right and that's that's where my worth is and you know now it's like, I feel like I try to live my life for an audience of one. And so now, you know, that's my identity is in, in Christ. So
0: that's changes. It It definitely changes it. What's the, one of the wisest things anyone ever said to you? I mean, there, you know, we hear all kinds of great little nuggets. I mean, you've got a a bunch and we'll talk about that more later coming up. You've, You've already have a bunch ready to roll. Um, what's one of your favorites? I think one thing my
1: mom used to always say was it's just a phase. So, you know, we have good phases and we have bad phases, but everything is just a phase and you're going to get through it. And you know, as those were, especially, you know, when I was in my bad phases, you know, she'd say, it's just a phase. You're going to get through it. And then you're going to be on to another phase. And,
0: that's good that's a nice nice little nugget of wisdom I like that Karen the last fun thing you did I have a feeling I know what you're going to say but what was the last fun thing you did oh well um,
1: I don't know if you would know that this would be the last fun the last fun thing I did was um, my daughter was in town last weekend and she's newly engaged, as you know. And so we went wedding dress looking. Oh.
0: Yeah, just the two of us. It was very, very fun. Oh, that so It's so fun. I thought you were going to say the engagement party get together in Northern California. That's what I thought you were going to yeah.
1: say. That would have been. That would have been my other one. But the last one was this last weekend. And
0: did she find one? I'm sure she found a million she liked. Has she settled on one or she still can't quite decide?
1: She's still thinking. I mean, this was just a very initial, you know, let's just go try on different styles and just, you know, whatever. And just to get a feel for, you know, the, the cut and the style. And, you know, does she want lots of lace? Does she want...
0: Satin or I mean, right. I don't
1: know, just whatever. So.
0: Oh, that's great. I love it.
1: <laughs> but she, she she did narrow it down. She wants something with a very long train and a very long veil. Oh, so okay. Very, she wants to look very bride brideish. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but the great. other that one more little quick fun thing that I love, love, loved with her visit last weekend was, you know, she she stayed in her old bedroom. she lives in Scottsdale now so she stayed in her own bedroom and then Sunday morning I got up early and I went and crawled in bed with her and my mom had painted her room to it looks like a beautiful garden and so my mom and I both painted the ceiling with clouds and so when Avery was little, we used to lay in her bed and look at all the cloud formations and pick out, you know, it's like, oh, there's a little bunny and there's an elephant and whatever. So we did that. We just reminisced about all the old little cloud formations we saw in her ceiling of her, her room. That's
0: so, so special. That was wow. Kind of recapturing some of when she was little in those special times. Yeah. I'm so glad you got to do that. Okay. Super fun. We are now going to dive into... Um, our topics, the things that we talked about, we were going to talk about. I mentioned the fact that we're bonded in a variety of different ways, but one of our, our, strong, one of our strongest bonds, the fact that we both had uh, children that died from the very same heart defect uh, several years apart. So tell us about Matthew. Matthew was my
1: first son. And our first son. And um, he, we found out in my seventh month that he probably wasn't going to survive. He had a heart condition called hypoplastic left heart. And um, we, you know, decided we wanted to carry him to term, of course, and that there would be possibly the chance of um, surgery, a heart transplant or what have you. And... When he was born, I remember talking to the doctors. We, you know, they did all sorts of tests. And I remember the doctor just saying, you know, if this was your baby, what would you do? And he just, his eyes just welled up with tears. And he yeah. said, I you just let him go. You know, he, he knew that the surgeries would be um, for the type of surgery. They would never had a survival um, for that, you know, that situation that he was in he had some other issues going on and so that's what we did we just let him we had to you know what we felt was the most difficult most unselfish thing to do as a parent was just to let him go so we were with him for three days and um when he took his last breath i felt like i did too
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) So painful if you you know yeah. Yeah. Well that leads us into then how you turn I don't want to say you turn that around, but how you use that for good. So tell us some of the ways you've used that for good. Now remind me of the year Matthew was born. He was born in nineteen ninety. That's what I thought. Okay, okay, got it.
1: So he would be thirty this year. Not even be that's just so crazy, yeah. um, but we knew that we wanted his life, although it was short, we wanted it to to have some purpose and um and we didn't know what that was at the time. we thought you know maybe. Uh, You know, maybe we do donations to the hospital because where we were when we when he was, you know, for those three days, it was very public. And we thought, you know, if anyone else going through something like we were going through could have more of a private area because we were in the ICU or the NICU with, you know, all these other babies. And it was up in the Bay Area in Oakland. So there was lots of crack babies and other, you know, horrible situations. But but those babies were probably going to make it. And that was hard knowing that mine wasn't and I did all the things right to take care of myself and be healthy. And so anyway, we were, you know, that was one thought that we might do something to, to have it, you know, be a little bit more private for, for a couple in our situation. But then we ended up moving down to Southern California. Um, and, uh, I mean, there was some more in between there because then I had another miscarriage a year later. And then we had our son, Ryan, who is now 28 and then our daughter, Avery, who is now 26. But in there, we, um, shortly, you know, after Avery was born, we moved to Southern California and ended up going to a church with some friends. And in the church service, there were couples talking about, um, their losses and this group called empty arms. And, um, Rick, it was for people that had lost children to miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant death. And so, it, during the service, Rick and I just were kind of bawling in the background, you know, realizing that it wasn't his job that took us down to Southern California for the move; it was to be a part of this group. So, um, immediately, we we you know joined the group, went through the sessions. It's an eight week session um grief support you know to help people get through that and then we um, became leaders and so now we've been leading the empty arms ministry for 25 years wow. which again the time just yeah it's hard to believe it's been that long but
0: um but really what a, a beautiful sacrificial act of love to take what was a very painful chapter of your life. Uh, I had forgotten you had a miscarriage. So, you know, the, the death of Matthew and then the next pregnancy is a miscarriage and how much loss and sorrow would be tied up in those two events. And yet somehow you were able to... Um, through the help of God I know you would say you know turn that into good make good out of it mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. so that yeah and I don't know
1: how people get
0: through I
1: mean I I know for myself I could not have gotten through it without my faith and knowing that I would see my other two in heaven yes. one day right you know yes. and then also to realize you know we all go through experiences or difficult times in life and if if you can't use what you've been through to help someone else then what was the what was the point of you going through that what was what did anyone learn you know what did you learn if you can't share that with someone else to help them through you know what they may be going through to make it a little bit I don't know if it's easier but you know, so they don't feel so alone because oh, I think yeah. that is the biggest thing. You feel so alone when you go through some of these things, and
0: I'm like, know, how that's... can someone else understand how I feel right now? And yet, there are people who understand huh. exactly how you feel right now. All mm-hmm. right, Karen, I want you to 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 touch a little bit. Okay, as if the loss of Matthew and the the miscarriage. <laughs> wasn't painful enough. Can you describe the other losses that you've experienced? Um,
1: So starting in, well, uh, 2007, you know, but a few years before that, my, my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer and battled through that for a few years. And, and then my mom was diagnosed with cancer Um, shortly after my sister so yeah in 2000 end of 2007 my sister passed away from from breast cancer then my mom passed away four months later and um then (laughs) I mean it's hard to believe all these you know so much happened in such a short period of time but then my um my husband's uh, father passed away from just a random routine surgery that was miscalculated. And um, so he passed away. And then my husband's mother passed away the next year. And then my brother and my father were both diagnosed with cancer and my brother passed away (laughs) in 2012. And then my, Father passed away in 2013. And then Rick's sister passed away in 2015. So, I mean, seven immediate family members. I mean, that was my whole family. In such a short time, it's just, it was, uh, like I said, without faith, I don't know how anyone gets through some of this stuff. And, uh, and I, And I kept asking God, "It's like what, why, what? I mean, so much loss, and um, yeah, I I mean, that was another thing of like, what do I do with all this?
0: Right? Because that is a lot. That is a lot. Obviously, that is not the norm. Right? Lose that many." immediate family members in that short of a period of time on both sides of of the family, you and your husband's, you know, family. I mean, that is, I don't know, I would say unprecedented unless you were in some kind of a war time situation, but a lot of cancer.
1: Yeah. My whole family, it was all cancer, but had anyone asked me, you know, two years before my sister, you know, was diagnosed, Is there any cancer in your family, any history? Oh, no, we don't have cancer in our family. And then my whole family, and they were all different types of cancer. Yes. That's what's so random and weird too. So uh, it's just, uh, cancer is just so ugly. I mean, my brother was this specimen of health, and you know, that I couldn't even imagine. That he would have been one that would have been hit with cancer and not be able to survive it. you know it's cancer is just ugly.
0: so, so okay, so you've gone through those experiences over I, I won't even call it an extended period of time because in my opinion it's, it's been, it
1: was like it was like six years yeah six that,
0: years. I mean it's like Seven. Yeah. that's just that's a lot of loss in a pretty short period of time. Now what? Now what? What what are you doing with those losses? So many losses. What are you doing with that?
1: Ah, uh, so that was my big question that I was wrestling with God about, trying to figure out, you know, why? What's what am I supposed to do with all of this? And a couple of years ago, and we shared a little bit about this. Um, I shared with you a little bit, but. Um, I was driving to my women's Bible study, and and there always was this um, verse, Romans 828, that would just pop up to me at different times, and 828 basically says, in all things, God works good for those who love him and are fitting according to his purpose, and so those 828 numbers would just pop up whether I would be working around in the morning and I just randomly pick up my phone. It's 828 in the morning or, you know, on the radio there's something, Oh, it's 828 and we're doing this. Yeah. I mean, it was just weird and it's still, it still happens. And so I was driving to Bible study and on the radio comes this song that I had never heard of before, but it was basically singing that verse Talking about you know God works good in all things, and I I had never heard it before, but I, tears just came to my eyes because I'm like oh, that's okay God I get it you know eight twenty eight I know what but what's the good what's the good supposed to be in all of this that I'm dealing with, and immediately there was this picture in my mind of my it was kind of my cell phone that would have the sky and the stars. And it's probably an old, an older version of, you know, what would pop up on your regular Mm. phone without putting a, you know, someone else's picture in it, but it was just their standard thing. And 828. So that showed up 828 in my mind, along with a tagline below it saying hope in the darkness. Mm. And it was a book. It was like a picture of a book with that Was the cover and hope in the darkness. And I'm like, really, you you want me to write a book. (laughs) So it was so clear. And just in my face that yes, God wanted me to write a book. And so I've been kicking and screaming and not, (laughs) not doing it because I don't know how to write a book, (laughs) but I have all of this, history of 25 years of leading grief support and you know helping people walk through their darkness you know and then with this whole covid thing and realizing that there is so much darkness and not just darkness in loss of life but loss in jobs and relationships and health and dreams and whatever And many of the things that, you know, we have helped, um, you know, support in loss of a child over the years can also be applied to loss of anything. I mean, loss of, you know, loss and grief, uh, you know, are just it's all those emotions that everyone goes through at some point.
0: Exactly. I was just going to say, you know, nobody really gets out of here without experiencing that. Maybe not to to the degree that you have, but there's just no getting around it. It is a part of life,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. one way or the other. So you now have purpose. God's made it clear. You are to write a book. And where are you in that process right now? It's pretty much done. I'm. It's in the editing
1: process right now, which I'm sure I'll probably have to have a couple different edit, editing times through it. But um, I've got a few people working on it with me and looking at it. and um, And still kind of in that question of, do I want to try to, self-publish it or do I want to try to get a publisher and what's involved with all of that? I really don't know. And I know there's pros and cons to both. Um, I I don't know. I'm just, it's, this is God's book. (laughs) So, and I call it, it's his book. So wherever, you know, whatever doors open or close, whatever it's, it's, I'm, it's his book. So where I'm, wherever I'm supposed to go with it. You know, I know he'll, he'll work it out. He always works out the details.
0: That's right. And you, you already have a finished version that's now just going through its final steps. Uh-huh. So tell me, tell us about the rocks. <laughs> so that's my other
1: little goofy COVID thing that I've been doing. Um, when we were all quarantined, you know, at the beginning of this, starting what, April, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> April, May, um, I, I was given this beautiful rock from a dear friend who's, you know, got it from another friend and I just was kind of mesmerized by these, this rock. And so I thought, I, I've always been kind of a creative person. So I thought I will, I just really want to try doing these rocks. And so I started painting them and I became somewhat obsessed with these rocks and they're really Calming, and it was a very good thing for me to do during this quarantine thing because it it was therapeutic in a way for me. What are you doing with the rocks? so I've created so many on the back of them. I do write eight twenty eight hope in the darkness, and so every morning when I go out for my run, I put them around the neighborhood and um The next day when I go out, they're gone.
0: So you leave them around the neighborhood? I leave them,
1: yeah. So I leave them out and about in my neighborhood. And so, and I pray over each one. It's like, whoever finds this rock, I hope they have a blessed day. And that it may bring them some joy. And so... I've put out probably, I don't know, 150, 200 rocks. And I've also given them as little gifts to my friends and anyone that comes over to our house and they see the rocks, I'm like, okay, pick a rock. And so it's just been kind of a fun thing. And I gave you your little rock.
0: I love my rock. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Well, that, you know, there's so much beauty that you have allowed to come through your your pain. And not everybody does that. Not everybody um, allows that process to take place. It, it really is a choice. Mm-hmm. And there's an openness that has to be there and a, a trust that has to be there. Otherwise, you would, gosh, I don't know, I guess you'd shrivel and just be bitter and uh, living in the past. Right. Um, right. I really and I, so I, know, I
1: know people funny. have said to me, they're like, oh, you're so strong, or you're, you know, how do you do this? I was like, I don't know. I don't, I mean, what else am I going to do? I'm not going to just curl up in a ball right. and just cry. Right. which
0: sometimes I do. <laughs> yes. yes. And that's real. And it would be weird if you didn't do that every once in a while. That's part of the healing. You, you have to, as you know, you have to go through it. There's, yeah. there are not any shortcuts. No. How can uh, listeners get in touch with you? Uh, in, if they're a little more interested in uh, 828 Hope in the Darkness.
1: Well, I've started just doing a little encouraging – I don't know what you call them on I'm not a big social media person, but I'm feeling that I need to put it out there, especially if I'm doing this book. Um, so I've created a Facebook page and an Instagram page, and it's 828, Hope in the Darkness. Great. And, um, and it's just a place to, you know, hopefully help people – through their healing and um, whatever loss they're going through to give some encouragement. And and there's, you know, Bible verses and quotes and I add my own little, you know, tidbits of commentary on, on some of the posts. So it's um, whoever wants to join are free to come and
0: take a look. That's wonderful. Well, we've said it and I will also be sure and include it in our show notes and on the episode page once this is all put together. Any last-minute thoughts? Anything we didn't get to that you would like to say?
1: (sighs) I don't know other than thank you. I mean, I love that you're doing this and I know this has been, you know, we're both stepping out of our little boxes
0: (laughs) and it's been something you've been thinking about for a while and I'm so proud of you for... doing this. Thank you. And it it really is something when you are, you know, living out what you think your purpose is for this time in my life and this time in your life. It, 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 it just all those good words. it, it, It fills, it fuels, it, it inspires it. You know, uh, I mean, I, I get so excited. Um, and more, and more. So, thank you for being a guest. I I love you. I love uh, everything you're doing for in that whole loss arena. Because, like we said, everybody goes through it. Um, it, just, yeah,
1: it just, thank you. It's, I love you too.
0: Yeah, it's just a part of it, and you you are. A beautiful, I could use the word beautiful, but it's the word that comes to mind. Uh, example of living that out, of, of being open to the all things working for good and, no. and saying yes, okay, that's I I will be a part of that. Okay. How would you like me to be a part of that? And and saying yes, because I think it's very easy to say no. No, that's too painful. No, I've had too much loss. No, I don't want to feel those feelings. And yet you're, you're not doing that. You're, you, you've said yes in, no. in the best way possible. And I hope that you are a, a wonderful example to others in, you know, um, taking pain and having there be purpose in it. And I isn't that on one of your rocks? Something about uh, pain and purpose, I feel yes, like. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it
1: is. Yes, on yes. one of my because yes. I have some pictures of my rocks on the yes. on the
0: Instagram posts and that that is one yes. of them. Yes, so. there's purpose in the pain, something like that. Ah, oh, just mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I I get to do now my thing where I get to play and have fun and use the the pictures you gave me and just put it all together and <laughs> and then I'm add. today is Thursday so it'll be out next Tuesday and you'll be sure and see it when it's all put together. I want to <laughs> thank you again for being um, for being all the things that I've learned that I absolutely value in people. And that is authenticity, transparency, vulnerability. Those three things have just come. I have come to value those things so much and find myself extremely impatient and not interested when people are not those things. I'm just like, I'd rather do something else.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm we're right getting there. too old. Well, I don't have time for this.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> like, yeah, my yeah. I'd rather is go something else. Life is too short. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. you embody those things, and I thank you for that. And um, we shall talk very soon. Okay, All thank
1: right. you. Thanks, Karen.
0: Bye. Talk to you later. Bye, Thanks. Karen is able to take the things she has been through and find purpose in her pain. This is not an easy thing to do. I hope her ability to do this will be an inspiration to all of us to carry on and to use these experiences for good. It's no small feat, truly. I want to give a shout-out to some of our newest listeners in the United Kingdom, Mexico, Argentina, Thailand, Hong Kong, and India. Thank you, ladies, for joining us in our conversation. We love having you. And if you feel like being a guest, let me know, and we'll make it happen. Karen's info, if you'd like to find her on Instagram or Facebook, is 828 Hope in the Darkness, which is, of course, going to be the title of her book. I'll be sure and put this in the episode notes as well. The Unabashed You website is you.com, email unabashedyou at gmail.com, Instagram Unabashed you. Facebook Rochelle Renee, the page will be Unabashed you. Twitter Unabashed you at Rochelle Renee. See, we got a common theme going on there. I love engaging in comments on social media posts if that's something you like to do. Lastly, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. We invite you to rate and review us there to help make us more discoverable. How else do you think the women from these wonderful countries and others have found us? And that's the way they did because of you listeners, you supporters being there for us in rating and reviewing. Thank you. Women, we want to be inspired and have you be inspired to find purpose in our pain. And now our blessing. Just because something didn't work out according to the way you planned it doesn't mean it didn't work out for the best. Blessings are often disguised as pain first. Amen. I can't credit that because I couldn't find who wrote it originally. But I will say lastly, go be unabashed, be you.